Hi everyone, it's just Liam here with episode 36 of the Early Education Show. It's great to be back with you with a full episode. It is just me doing the intro uh, and outro this week though, because we've got a bit of a special episode. For those who listened to episode 35, where we conducted an interview with psychologist Beth McGregor on trauma-informed practice. Um, I'm very fortunate the organisation I work for, Northside Community Service, has been working with Beth all year, and it's been really interesting um, learning about sort of trauma-informed practice and positive strategies about working with children. And one of the ideas we had sort of discussing after the interview was actually sitting down with some of the educators from some of the services that Beth had been working with and, and talking about their experiences and their approaches to, to trauma-informed practice. And it really struck a chord because I think just to sort of go on a bit of a rant for <laughs> for a little while one of the big focuses of this podcast and I think all three of us will be the first to admit we haven't done as much of this as we like is actually to really talk about the sector and really talk about educators and those working directly with children um, you know neither Lisa nor Leanne nor myself now work directly in those roles we're all really fortunate to spend a lot of time in centres and working with educators but we don't do that really important you know amazing work so this episode I should say it's quite a long episode. It's probably going to clock in at about an hour and a half, but I really, really encourage everyone to a listen to it and also share it out. I, I, I don't think these stories are, are, are told enough as as they should be. I think we hear from lots of crazy people like myself, you know, who work in management and leadership roles. But I'd love for you know this podcast to really you know sort of start thinking about what are the experiences and stories that are being told by educators and practitioners working directly with children. So what you're going to hear in this episode is three sort of separate interviews back to back that Beth has conducted with three educators who work um, in the Northside centres that I work with. So I'm very fortunate to work with all three of these people and and think they and all of their colleagues across all four of our centres are um, just incredible and fantastic and have really taken on board the work uh, that we've been doing with Beth this year. So you're going to be hearing from uh, Jacinta Chelsea and Nazish as they talk about the work that's been happening with trauma-informed practice with Beth. So, uh, like I said, if you get a chance, you know, please share this out, social media, email, um, carrier pigeon, whatever sort of works for you. I, I, I'm really hoping we can do more of this kind of stuff. And if we, you know, the, the bigger reaction we get, the, the more likely, well, you know, we'll find time to go out and record. I should say as well, this is probably also our first major go at doing some sort of uh, proper recording, uh, sort of in a in a you know proper interview sort of context with multiple people. So uh, it's mostly okay. There are a few bangs and pops, and uh, for which I apologise. But we're still sort of learning how to be proper uh, professional recorders, and we'll probably get there one day. But uh, look, at, at, I'm going to hand straight over to Beth, and we're going to start off with an interview, a discussion that Beth is having with Jacinta. Thank you. Thank you for being here with me today. I really, really appreciate the time you've taken to share your story of Mandy with me and with the listeners. Um, So thank you. Would you want to just introduce yourself for the listeners? Yeah. Uh, My name is Jacintha. I work in a centre around Canberra and I actually am a room leader in a preschool room. Fantastic. 
And how we met was I was doing some work with your centre yep. and I had the opportunity to meet with you about a little girl who we will call Mandy, obviously not her real name, and uh, we thought it'd be just great to be able to share her story uh, and to share your story of working with her. Yeah, sounds good. So tell me a little bit about Mandy. Um, well, I met her when I was working in the toddler room. Mm-hmm. So she was around maybe two, two and a half kind of age, mm-hmm. and um, I've kind of had her since my time being in that centre. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd got a little bit of background history about her. Um, she was placed with a kinship family, and um, yeah, that's pretty much how I've. Yeah, when yeah, you met her. When I met her, So yeah. what you knew was that she was a child who was at risk and she was placed with a family um, yeah. after that. So yeah. she was no longer living with her mum and dad. So she'd been through a few issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And tell me a little bit about um, how Mandy was when you first met her. Well, um, during her orientation and things like that, like, she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, we just knew a little bit about the background. But then, obviously we got more information mm-hmm. and then there started to be as she got settled in I guess and her first time kind of being around a lot of other children yeah um we started to see some behavioral differences mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. her so like there was the hitting crying mm-hmm. you know different things like that um and it was quite hard at the beginning to kind of understand this because this was my first time really dealing yeah. with something like that uh huh. So, yeah. so it was outside the norm for a toddler. Yes. The kinds of hitting and can so can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, it was kind of at first it was like if children were kind of up in her space, mm-hmm. she would just instantly like I suppose react with just like hitting. Like it was like quite aggressive. Uh huh. Um, yeah. It wasn't just your typical okay pushing. Yeah. It was more kind of aggressive mm-hmm. um, and just little things like, you know, withdrawing herself from us or like other children and like really crying, um, really high pitched screaming. Um, and there was also a lot to do with like um, slamming doors mm. and always kind of having that control around if if she was to go into the bathroom, um, she would spend a lot of time in their kind of exploring her body Mm -hmm. I guess and then just if someone came in to help her she she wouldn't let a familiar educator help her sometimes Mm -hmm. and then I found that to be quite strange like she I would go in to try and help her because I built up a relationship with her but she would scream at me and try to slam the door like I could have my hand like on -hmm. the door and she'd slam it so then I would ask an educator who she'd know but not have that like real secure mm-hmm. relationship with mm-hmm. but she'd be quite happy for her to say mm-hmm. change a nappy or deal mm-hmm. with her in that way as opposed to letting me in mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah yeah and I guess what I'm really hearing is that there was a constellation of behaviors which were unusual a bit unpredictable yeah. and hard to make sense of yeah uh-huh. like exactly how do I right. make sense of this behavior yeah yeah Okay. Um, And there was an element of control in that, her needing to have some control over who was doing what. Yeah. Yeah. Big big element of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She just liked, you know, it took her a while to kind of, I suppose, build the trust with us. Yeah, of course it did. Which then I thought when she had that, it 
it was strange that she couldn't tolerate me mm-hmm. being there mm-hmm. when she was like needing a nappy changed or mm. you know needing some help on the toilet or anything like that she just couldn't tolerate certain yeah. people mm-hmm. and um obviously knowing her background we tried to make her as comfortable as of we course. could yeah. by you know oh would you like so and so to do it or mm-hmm. would you like me to mm-hmm. to help yeah. you with that mm-hmm. and I didn't want to kind of push her further if she wasn't comfortable with me yeah. I wasn't going to force you it wanted because to I didn't her. I didn't Absolutely. know how she would react mm-hmm. to that so she was a bit unpredictable as yeah. well in that okay all right, so I might come back to that in a little minute. But mm-hmm. what I'd like to do now is just fast forward to when you and I met. Yep. And you were in the preschool room with Mandy yep. at that point. And you asked to speak to me to tell me some of the things that was going on with her at that point and some of the struggles that you and the team were having. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, it was pretty much it had progressively got worse Mm -hmm. like the aggressiveness the you know she would go and sit in the corner and she would scream cry spit hit and like it was with educators and also with children Mm -hmm. but it started to kind of spiral because we were getting complaints from other families that were like oh Mandy has hit and my child has told me that and we were starting to really struggle because she she was hurting the mm-hmm. other children in mm-hmm. quite an aggressive way. Yeah. And, you know, we found, we tried our best to mm. unpack, like, what was happening before this? You know, why why is she doing this? But it was very hard because yeah. we, as I said, it was our first time kind yeah. of. And one of the, the only strategies I kind of succeeded with, I guess, is... I knew when I heard that scream, that real high-pitched scream, I needed to get in there really quickly to kind of diffuse the situation. Mm -hmm. But even if I did get in and diffuse the situation, it was a case of, oh, well, I'm just going to bowl everyone over that's in my direction and I'm going to keep going. And then when I'm finished, I'm going to sit in the corner and I'm going to cry and I'm going to scream. So you were no doubt feeling rather overwhelmed, I'm guessing, because you felt that you had no predictable way of supporting her and no predictable way of getting in prior to these challenging behaviours to prevent them from occurring. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And so may I just ask, because I know a lot of educators will be listening and this will be familiar for a lot of educators, how how was it for you? And your team, how what how how did it feel? There were a lot of frustrations. Mm-hmm. Like when you don't know how to kind of deal with something like this, and like you understand that obviously there's a reason behind mm-hmm. it, but yeah. when you're kind of in there and you're stuck in a rut, you don't know. Yeah. You get overwhelmed, you get frustrated. Of course. And I think a lot of my frustrations as well was the fact that because this was happening with her, a lot of my focus was going on her. Yeah. And other kids educators backed off yeah. and didn't know how to deal with it so yeah. I was kind of always left to to deal with it yeah and then other children didn't get my attention yeah and it all just kind of builds up on you and yeah it's, it's really, really hard, hard. Yeah. it's really really hard yeah. and a lot of the educators that I speak to her in this kind of situation often feel pretty helpless and sometimes even a little bit hopeless kind of like well what else you know I'm trying everything I've done everything what else can I possibly be trying yeah okay so then we had our first meeting and I do remember from that that you 
it was quite similar in terms of trying to make sense of these behaviours that were yeah. a bit bewildering and hard to make sense of. Absolutely. And we had a long talk yeah. about that. Uh, may I ask, what, what do you remember from that first conversation that we had? Um, I remember, I can't remember if this was our first or second mm, conversation, sure. but one thing that I will, I really do remember is, I remember I spoke to you about how we were doing like our late snacks and another educator left the room and then at the same time I got up and I was just going to wash the plate something that was completely normal like and all of a sudden there was like an outburst from Mandy just bang 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 pushing other children pushing over children hitting mm-hmm. everything so I, I was like what is going on? All like, I I've done is got it. up and walked over to the bench. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when I spoke to you about that, it made a lot of sense. Like, taking into account her background, you made, you know, one person left the room, didn't communicate to the to her or any of the other children where we're going. And then I just got up all of a sudden and mm-hmm. she was had been sitting beside me. Mm-hmm. So then it kind of made sense. It was like, oh, both of us shut up out yeah. And nobody actually communicated with her mm-hmm. what was happening. I remember that part yeah. of the conversation too. And, you know, what I remember doing a lot with you was trying to guess what was what was she communicating with her behaviour. Yeah. And we it took some time, right? Sometimes yeah. take half an hour, 45 minutes to try and really get to the bottom of yeah. it. And so I remember trying to unpack this with you, trying to make sense of what was going yeah. on for her. You know, coming from the point of view that we do that all behaviour is meaningful and for children who've experienced Mandy's kind of background, she's trying to communicate something about her needs. And I remember I guessed with you at that point, I wonder if she felt abandoned. Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was It was kind of like a light bulb, wasn't it? It's like, oh yes. That makes sense. It does, yeah. right? You see, so we we can imagine someone with Mandy's background having a hypersensitivity to abandonment or to not knowing where the adult is. Um, and we also talked um, a lot about how aggression can uh, lie on top of anxiety and yeah. worry and fear, and that yeah. aggression can be an expression of fear. And so that was our guess. Yes, wasn't it? Yeah. And so what did you do with that insight, Jacinta? Um, once we had kind of hashed this out between ourselves and, you know, really got to the root of, okay, maybe it could have been this. Mm-hmm. Well, I was very mindful. I went back and I spoke to the rest of the educators in my room and I was like, it's just something we can try and, you know, just really communicate all the time, even if it's just as simple as, I'm just going over here to get a book off the shelf. Just saying that, not making a big deal of it, just communicating. Mm-hmm. Mandy, I'm just going to get this book off the shelf. And that actually made a huge difference mm-hmm. because the behaviour, like it obviously didn't all go mm-hmm. away or anything, but like it reduced mm-hmm. because she knew, I guess, that we were available still just because we weren't in her space but we were still mm. available and she knew where mm. we were going as of, opposed to just 
getting up and doing something and then she's yeah. like where is she mm-hmm. going yeah so we talk a lot about for children who have experienced trauma well for all children need it but particularly children who experience trauma high levels of predictability don't we yeah yeah how important having a predictable environment is because life's often been very unpredictable and so the more we can create predictability the more secure and safe they feel and the more safe they feel the less aggressive they need to be yeah yeah and so one way to build predictability is to do exactly as you and the team took on is to describe what you're doing or what you're about to do in real time to the child so that you become very predictable yeah and what do you think why do you think then that Mandy's um, outburst reduced as a result of that do you feel that she was feeling more secure or what do you think was happening for her I think yeah it was feeling secure and also I remember just remembered now that you mentioned you know, like with the play spaces, having, okay, I'm going to be at the cubby house and you're going to be at the sandpit. Mm-hmm. And being down on her level as well and just being there, like saying, oh, I'm just going to be over at the sandpit. I'm here if you need me mm-hmm. to talk to. Mm-hmm. And it was having everyone down and available and she knew she could go from A to B and mm-hmm. still come back. And she knew I was going to be there. Mm. And then if I was going on a break, I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to go on my break now. I'm going to be back. And now that wasn't always smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. It took a while. But with kind of consistently telling her, okay, I'm going on my break now, but I'm going to be back in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. She, it, it went down. Yeah. Like her clinginess towards me. Because she knew, okay, she is coming back. And I still have my other educators to go to. Mm, Great. Okay, so there's there's two things in that. So one is we're talking about making yourself more predictable. But the second is making yourself more available. So that she knew how to find you. So we talk a lot about that, don't we? You know, that the child knows how to find. Because often in a room, particularly, you know, preschool you know big yard lots of kids running around you feel a moment of panic something happens you're not feeling right you look up where's the educator and if you don't know where the educator is your three or four year old mind's going to go what's my best solution is to push someone or yell or scream or whatever it is that's the best solution I can come up with in my little mind yeah but I don't have to come up with that solution if there's an educator right there and I need them then I can go straight in but I have to know how to find them yeah mm-hmm. so you made all made yourselves more available which once again we see reduces her anxiety yeah because you know all children feel anxious about knowing where's the adult who's looking after me but children who've had difficulties early in life feel extra anxious and need yeah. extra reassurance yeah yeah and so you were speaking then about play spaces, which is a yeah. concept uh, developed by Robin Dolby, which I have shared with you. Yeah. Could you speak a little bit about what you mean by play spaces? So um, pretty much it's like all the educators spread out, but still have like an experience or in an area where children are able to come in and out. Mm-hmm. And the ed- there is an educator there to support them mm-hmm. if they need it mm-hmm. um, so they can go between the play spaces come in and out touch base and go out again mm-hmm. pretty much yeah. yeah 
and and your uh what you're motioning with your hands is that you're kind of down so you're more or less seated which makes you more accessible because you're more at the eye level of the children and you're more accessible yeah Mm -hmm. and they know they can just come in and just either sit on your lap or just even be able to touch you know that you're there yeah get refueled by you we're talking yeah. about coming in for emotional refueling yeah. don't we they can come in get emotionally refueled yeah and in fact i was sitting with you yesterday in a play space That's wasn't right. I? Yeah. <laughs> and it was fantastic because i just said to you you had one little girl was just playing with your hair behind yeah. you you had one child sitting in your lap you had another on i think there were three or four there was at least yeah, three there was, yeah. and i said how fantastic these children can just be here and they don't have to show any big behaviors to try and get your attention because you're yeah. so easy to find yeah. and then there was a little boy who was just a couple of meters away who had a issue with a car i seem to recall and he could just come in so quickly get his emotional refueling get his comfort yeah and we were talking about that weren't we yeah mm-hmm. absolutely and it it makes such a difference mm-hmm. um you know when educators are just not kind of running around trying yeah. to get everything done and sometimes you just have to think why is this room going crazy right now it's because there's nobody available Mm -hmm. so when we're all down on their level like that and they can just come in and out Mm -hmm. and they're still sustained and directing their own play yeah but they know they can just come back when they need to Mm -hmm. if there's a problem or they need help we're there yeah and they feel supported and then once they've got emotionally refueled yeah. what you notice is they head out again yeah, right absolutely mm-hmm. yeah and so you think that this made a uh, big difference for mandy i think so it mm-hmm. made a big difference for all of the children mm-hmm. but her especially yeah mm-hmm. because she needs that one-on-one because i remember like you talked about maybe like making the time to make sure that she was like getting emotionally refueled mm-hmm. and that was also a big thing for her too knowing that okay if I need to sit here for 10 15 minutes I can mm-hmm. and you know we started to notice that the time was getting less and less mm-hmm. because she knew if I need that it's there yeah so her confidence in your availability was growing yeah and when we talk about a secure attachment or secure relationship a key element of security is confidence in the availability of the adult yeah uh, so her confidence in your availability was growing so the amount of time she needed could reduce because she knew you would be there to return to yeah and with respect to the other things like the screaming, the emotional outbursts and so forth, I do remember in that first conversation, um, you and I trying to make sense of some bewildering behavior where she was kind of wanting you but then pushing you away at the yes. same time. Do you remember that? Yeah. Kind of like these real seemingly contradictory behaviors where you're left feeling a little bit yeah. kind of bewildered, right? Um and I remember us, I remember me talking to you about how normal that is for children with Mandy's kind of background because children might want the adult but not necessarily feel confident that the adult's going to be there. Yeah. And so, or they might want the adult but not feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable to allow the adult to yeah. give them the intimacy and the support that they need. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um yeah because we noticed that as well like you know something would happen and she might go on one of her tangents where she's hitting and pushing and screaming 
and she would stand a little bit back um screaming crying like you knew it was real like emotion mm. and she would just like stare at you mm. and you would try to talk to her maybe go over to her she'd hit you and then go back to mm. kind of crying and mm. things like that mm. So one of the things around uh, children with Mandy's kind of background is we know that trauma has an impact on emotional regulation and self-regulation. We also know that children who've experienced difficulties are more likely to become aroused quickly and for no apparent no apparent reason. Yeah. There's always a reason, but it's not always apparent, apparent to us, yeah. right? Um, and can stay aroused and upset for much longer. So the picture that you were sharing with me, certainly from my perspective, was very familiar. Yeah. It's a familiar kind of way that a child who's had difficult beginnings um, might present. Like it made sense to me at yeah. some level. So you've talked really about two things that you did which were different, which was um, making yourself uh, more predictably available through the play spaces and being seated uh, and also making yourself more predictable in terms of naming where you're going and what you're doing as and when you're doing it. Uh, what else did you do differently or try with Mandy? Um another strategy which we talked about as well was um naming the emotion Mm -hmm. because obviously as we mentioned she came from a troubled background and maybe her emotions were not always clear Mm -hmm. because they weren't acted upon yeah so you know if she was hitting people or she was getting really sad we would identify the emotion oh I can see that you're feeling really sad is there anything I can do to help you or do you just want to stay here and have a cuddle until you feel better perfect and it was yeah giving her that okay well I know that she is verifying my emotions Mm -hmm. so I know this is okay and I can trust her enough to be there for me Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so do you feel that when you and the team began that 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 helped Mandy begin to accept your comfort or begin to, did she begin to did that help and support her to regulate in any way? Yes, because you know when these behaviors were happening and sometimes I'd just be like, "Okay, I can see that you're upset." And she'd kind of look and be like, "Okay, yes, I am feeling upset." And then she'd come in closer and then you could maybe get her to sit on your lap and you could have a chat. What is it that happened or why are you feeling like that? Um, and then she began to start slowly identifying it when a lot of it was, I feel angry. Mm. So she began to use the language yes. herself. Yeah. How fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. It's more so when she was in like a comfortable position with you that Mm -hmm. she was feeling open to talk Mm. yeah gee that's brilliant so the reason we talk about that strategy and that's for all children of course not just children with um, (coughs) mandy's background but the reason it's particularly important for children with mandy's background is maria arts who um, is the founder of the mate mayo program she talks about and i just love this language uh, she talks about how children have to register what they feel before they can regulate what they feel and for children who've got troubled backgrounds i mean can you imagine just having a massive tsunami of feelings in your body and your heart pumping and whatever's going on and tears coming to your eyes whatever it is this massive tsunami of feelings but having no idea what it is no language for it 
no, I mean, it's pretty scary. The feeling itself can become pretty yeah. scary, right? Definitely. So by you bringing language to it consistently, and I'm sure it wasn't a one-off, right, Jacinda? Yeah. But <laughs> consistently uh, for Mandy, then she can begin to register, oh, I've got this feeling. But when you can register it, then you can co-regulate or you can begin to allow someone to help you regulate that feeling. Um, And over time, what that does is that builds a capacity for self-regulation because the child can begin to register what's going on for them and not all of a sudden be overwhelmed by it. And it's such a profoundly important skill to be able to bring language to what you are feeling. Now that she can do that, I mean, that's that's a very, very crucial life skill that you have taught her. And within her interactions also, like after consistently doing this over a period of time, we noticed a change in her behavior towards other children mm-hmm. also um like before if someone came up in her space and like maybe snatched a toy or something it would be a reaction with bang like yeah. hit them or you know do something along those lines but as she started to get more confident within understanding her feelings she would be like she'd stop she'd think she would verbalize oh i was playing with that first mm-hmm. and not necessarily react with hitting mm-hmm. unless that child was persistently sure. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that was like one big change for her and she felt comfortable enough to come to an educator mm. and let them know what was happening yeah as Fantastic. opposed to yeah so her growing capacity for self-regulation um facilitated her having more positive because like we know that social domain was very, very, yeah. very tricky for her, mm-hmm. but facilitated some more positive social connections. Because, you know, so when we understand another child coming up into Mandy's face, the, the pushing or the banging or the hitting is an anxiety reaction. You know, yeah. I don't know what you're about to do, so the best thing I can possibly manage is just to push you out of the way. Um, you know, so yeah. it's it's not feeling safe. So it, it makes sense to push someone away when you don't feel safe. Yeah. Um, but you are more likely to feel safe when you have more capacity for self-regulation and also when you know that there's an educator right over there in that corner who you can go to at any point. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. So was there anything else that you, that you tried with Mandy that was useful? Um... Well, as she began to, like, understand all this and, like, our team all started to work together to get on board with this, um, like, she started to build those relationships with the other educators, which was a real win for her because, you know, she knew that, okay, I don't just have to rely on her for the support. I can go to everyone else. So after that, then, um, we noticed that she started going into the other preschool room so we've got two preschool mm-hmm. rooms so she started to go into the other one and it was again like a sense of control for her she knew oh do you want to come in here that's fine you're welcome in here mm-hmm. then she could also go next door mm-hmm. and then you know we gave her the option of did she want to move next door and she started to get involved with the other children the older children and again that was giving her even more language to yeah. deal with her everyday interactions mm-hmm. and she began to feel more confident within both areas so she knew she could come in and out between the two rooms Mm. and still be accepted in each room fantastic so yeah she's 
come a long way. So describe Mandy to me now, Jacinta. Um, she gets involved with other children. She's started to build up some really strong relationships which she had struggled with in the toddler room. She's mm-hmm. she's able to initiate these conversations with other children and if she feels rejected by them it's not such a like huge deal to her now mm-hmm. it's you know she'll come and she'll communicate this with us oh he doesn't want to be my friend or things like that she's not just reacting with you know hitting or being aggressive to try and yeah. get that interaction happening so she's got a lot more language to describe yeah. what her needs are yeah and describe what her worries are so there's less need for her behaviorally to express herself because she can express herself now yep. by using language yeah which is a real credit to you and i'm sure to her the family her family yeah. that's been i'm sure doing a lot of work with her around Absolutely, that yeah. um tell me more about it she's having a lot of social success yeah um, and her time with educators has gotten less and less she doesn't feel the need to come to us as often Mm -hmm. because she's quite confident in her own abilities to go and know at the end of the day there's still somebody there so she's yeah come on amazingly well yeah she really has i mean i i saw her yesterday when i came to visit you and um she's just so settled and calm yeah you know and we saw her concentrating and doing an activity together uh with some other children and she tolerated other children getting into her space i think she even tolerated another child by taking a crayon off her um but there was a real sense of cooperation and there was a real sense of her being able to delight in the activity that she was doing yeah and enjoy enjoy life Definitely, like, and as I said, she can come in between the two rooms, and because she's made like some good relationships in each room, she's comfortable to come in and invite the other children into her play. Mm. And we went from like having to spend a long time settling her and trying to, you know, avoid the hitting and the pushing mm-hmm. and everything to not even noticing she was there because she was so sustained like obviously we knew she was mm-hmm. there but you know she was just coming every now and again mm-hmm. to be like refuel mm-hmm. and then go back out again and just come into us with problems like oh he's not my friend or he doesn't want mm-hmm. to be my friend mm-hmm. which is a big thing for her considering she did not feel comfortable before doing this mm. and she would just react with the aggressive behaviors so she has acquired an extraordinary number of skills in how many months has it been four yeah four or five yeah. five at the outside yeah that's extraordinary the number of skills that she has acquired in such a short period of time yeah. absolutely yeah. so may i ask why just a couple more questions before yeah. we wrap up um how do you think her success with her peers socially has um emerged like how is it that what you've been doing by making yourself available giving a language for her feelings being more predictable um really seeking to understand her and all of those things that you described um why do you think that's translated into real social gains for her I think because she's got this secure base with us that she feels comfortable enough to go out, initiate these interactions, and if they don't work out, 
she can come back in mm -hmm. talk it over with us yeah and then she knows that we're there to assist her yeah and support her mm -hmm. and then that's given her then the confidence in herself to be like mm. okay well i know i'm okay and i can go to my educator if i need but i've got friends here mm. who i can interact with as well yeah that's amazing so she's been able to go out make those social forays have some success have some challenges yeah. but she's felt your support at every step of the way yeah do you have any final reflections on, I mean, what have you learned? What has Mandy taught you? What's this whole process taught you? Any final reflections on that? I think it's showed me how important it is to be emotionally available. I know we can all get really flustered and like get really caught up, but it's very important that we are available and that this behavior is not always just what it seems to be oh she's just hitting him for no reason mm -hmm. it's not no reason and when you actually like try to break it down it starts to make a lot more mm, sense and yeah giving them the words and the ability to be able to communicate what they're feeling yeah it's made a huge difference because mm. they're like okay yes i am feeling upset and yes this is a big deal mm -hmm. and yes she knows that i'm upset and i think that's given them the capacity to regulate then and mm. they know if I actually need words to use in my interactions I can go and I'm still going to be supported and then I can go back mm -hmm. and continue yeah that's a really beautiful insight Jacinta and I think you know I think a lot of educators listening to this would really resonate with what you're talking about with respect to those behaviors you know they're just hitting for no reason or yeah. they're just you know because the behavior is bewildering yes. it is hard to make sense of right yeah. but what you now see from your own experience is that behavior is always meaningful is always an attempt to communicate something yeah. and that's our job as the bigger stronger wiser kind adult to attempt to figure it out yeah and sometimes we couldn't always figure it out could we no you know sometimes we'd be like well maybe she's trying to communicate this maybe she's trying to communicate that what was happening for her what was happening beforehand we yeah. had to do a lot of thinking absolutely um but i think now that you the 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 incredible transformation you've seen in Mandy's well-being and the skills that she's developed as a result of you and the team really committing to being emotionally available and the, and the transformation in her behaviour as a result of that is further evidence of behaviour being meaningful. Yeah. Because the fact that she is so settled now and the fact that she is able to explore and concentrate and have um, make friends and all of the fabulous gains that she's made is telling you something about yeah. how secure she feels in her relationship with you all and how well supported she feels. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Come, thank you. Thank you for... Um, Thank you for what you've done for Mandy. Thank you for all your help as well. I really appreciate it. I really, I, you know, I just really want to acknowledge you. It's really, really hard work, this work. And, um, and um, you've, you know, you really changed a little girl's life. You know, you've removed some barriers for her that were getting in the way of her being able to 
live the life that she wanted to be able to live you know and now she is able to have friends and experience joy and do all of the learning that she wants to get on and do as a little girl and it's a real credit to you and your team for the hard work that you've all put in to uh, make that difference for her so I really do mean thank you thank you that's lovely thanks appreciate what you have to say your story do you want to in- just introduce yourself thank you Beth um, I'm Chelsea and I am an educator in a center here in Canberra mm-hmm. and I am a room leader in the toddlers room mm-hmm. fantastic and we wanted to talk about a little boy called Adam today yes and I know Adam you have been working with Adam for quite a while now and he's an adorable little boy. Yes, he is. And I'm wondering if you could just tell me a little bit, uh, tell me a little bit about Adam and then tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what it was like to first begin to work with him. Yes, so Adam came to our centre approximately a year ago mm-hmm. and he had some known difficulties in his home life mm-hmm. that we were aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he first started, there were a few behavioural issues mm-hmm. that we picked up on. He was very withdrawn. He he didn't play with other children. He was also... He would have these meltdowns. Yeah. Um, they were quite extreme. Yeah. He would... He would just throw himself onto the floor and just start screaming and screaming and it could last for it could last anywhere for maybe 15 minutes wow. right up to a few hours wow so yeah and it, it was very very difficult for us yeah to that's watch. so and intense isn't it yeah and it got to the he was just throwing himself into just onto the ground, onto walls. Um, wow. Yeah, so we were very wow. concerned, concerned, obviously, for his, his safety. Right. And, yeah. So that's really intense. It must yes. have been really intense yeah. for you and the yeah. team. Yes, it was very, yeah. very hard. So um, when he was throwing himself down and getting upset, was it sadness or anger or frustration or was it just impossible to tell what was going on for him it was it was quite hard to tell what was going Mm -hmm. on at that time um you could see frustration anger sadness Mm -hmm. there's so many emotions Mm -hmm. so it was really hard to pick yeah, yeah, really hard to make sense yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. And was it hard to predict when he was going to um, get upset like this? Was there any known trigger or was it all unpredictable? At the start, it was just very unpre- unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, it would happen randomly. Um, I, we couldn't really see a trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more that we sort of, we got to know him and build up that relationships we could try and see those 
cues. So you began to get a sense of what was just yeah. just before yeah. it was about to happen? Or? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I can't remember the language you used. Was it meltdown or upset? What was um, it? Meltdown. Meltdown. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, quite a good catch-all, isn't it? So, yeah. so a Apart from these meltdowns, these big, how how many, how frequently were they happening? Um, oh, at least every day that he was mm-hmm. coming to the center, um, and it could happen multiple times in the day. Right. Okay. I guess it just depended what kind of day sure. he was having. Yeah. Um, and aside from that, what were some of the other difficulties that was he was having? He wasn't able to concentrate mm-hmm. on any task. Yeah. He he would maybe concentrate for one to three seconds wow. at the most. Right. So it was he had a very very short attention mm-hmm. span. He he was also hurting educators. Mm-hmm. So not so much other children, but mm-hmm. the educators. So mm-hmm. pulling hair, pulling their hair, yeah. hitting them, mm-hmm. scratching, mm-hmm. Um, and. It wasn't necessarily in that time that he was having those meltdowns. It yeah. could just be randomly as well. And that was a bit unpredictable as well. Yes, yeah. yes. So that mm-hmm. could just come out of nowhere. He might walk up and then yeah. start doing... Just out, yeah. out of nowhere, right. Yeah. So how was this for you and the team? It was it was very... It was heartbreaking, really. Yeah. That's the only really word I have for it. Yeah. It was very... It was hard. Really hard. Yeah. Hard because you could see he was in distress. Yes. And yeah. you didn't know how to help him. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And hard too because, you know, being hit or hurt unpredictably is also difficult. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what about socially? I presume he had very poor social connections with these kinds of... Yes, yeah, so he, he wasn't engaging in play with other children mm-hmm. or, he, he was, yeah, he didn't really socialise with other children mm-hmm. at all. And his language was an issue, I think you said? Yes, yes, um, mm-hmm. so his language skills were minimal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what you're describing, I think, when we started working together, you know, I think what I said to you was that this is a very typical presentation for a child who's had some significant difficulties. Yes. And that we do know that children who have these kinds of significant difficulties, their social skills can definitely be affected. Uh, Language can be affected. Um, Emotional regulation, capacity Mm -hmm. to regulate is affected. uh, And we know that attention is also affected. So unfortunately for Adam, he was pretty much, his behaviours and presentation were pretty much what you would expect given the difficulties that he'd been dealing with up until that point. Yeah. Okay, so then how did you begin to help Adam? So I started to, when he was having these meltdowns, I would just, I'd just sit with him. Mm-hmm. I'd just let him know that I was there mm-hmm. and and he would, if even if I walked away, he would then, he would come closer to me because, mm-hmm. yeah, and then he, it, it made, would still carry on, but he knew that I was there mm-hmm. for him. So, mm-hmm. and as I did that, I was able to start recognizing 
the signs. Yeah. So I would be able to respond to him mm-hmm. before yeah. they started to happen. So what were some of the early signs that you began to become aware of? I could see just in his facial expressions, they, they just started to change. He started to look a bit lost. Yeah. A bit, yeah. Anxious, maybe. Anxious, or, and mm-hmm. he would start, um, another one was he, he'd just maybe start looking for me, and yeah. like, where are you? I think, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, and or he would just start, begin to start crying before he would then throw himself down yeah. so they were the early earliest days. early signs yeah. brilliant okay so you started so what i guess that required from you was watching him closely yes not watching him closely as a way of stopping him from hurting someone but watching yeah. him closely as a way of seeking to understand when he needed you yes. so that yeah. you could get in sooner rather than after the hurricane had arrived yes exactly Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i love how you described how you went to sit with him and be with him and reassure him that you were there because i'm imagining for him when he was in one of the middle of one of these emotional Mm. like just you know whirlwinds imagine that must have been incredibly overwhelming and distressing for him yes and so knowing that he had you there, mm. I'm sure helped him feel less alone with that that, yeah. that yeah. feeling. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, so it's just really beautiful that you are able to give yeah. him that experience of being with him through that distress. Yeah. Which is hard work for you, right? Yes. You know, <laughs> it's hard work. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so you got to know him a little bit better. Yes, and yeah. you got to begin to see the early warning signs. Yes. Uh, and what would you do then when you would notice the early warning signs that he was becoming distressed? So when I would notice them, I would... I'd go over to him and I'd, I'd say, do you need a cuddle? Mm-hmm. And then he'd come and give me a cuddle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd kind of go, th- I'd just talk through, like, are you feeling a bit sad, mm-hmm. Adam? Or are you feeling hungry? Yeah. Are, are you feeling tired? And sometimes it, it was just that he was tired. Yeah. And he'd go, yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd, he, well, yeah, he'd nod his head, and I'd go, yeah. "Okay, well, how about we go inside and mm. we'll have a have a rest?" Mm. And mm. and sometimes that was it. Yeah. <laughs> Other times I would just have to keep guessing and mm-hmm. asking him what he's feeling, or and it, we wouldn't get there <laughs> some days. Yeah, but sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. some days it was just as simple as he was tired or mm. he was hungry. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I think, you know, in terms of how that benefited Adam, what I, th- what I imagine was yeah. that he, it, it built his security in his relationship mm. with you because he had the experience of you imagining what was happening for him yeah. internally. Yes. Yeah? yeah. So, I mean, getting to the what it is, you know, it's great, is it tiredness or hunger, whatever, like it's great to get to that. 
but I, I think for him, probably the experience of having someone try to understand him yes. would yeah. have been enormously helpful. Yeah. And to yeah. know that Chelsea's going to try and help me figure it out. Yeah. Whatever's going on yeah. for me, I don't have to deal with this on my yeah. own. Yeah. There's someone there helping me figure it out. Yes. Yeah. 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 And sometimes, you know, I, you know, sometimes, like you were saying, just a cuddle's sufficient. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get upset. I'm not quite exactly sure why, but just yeah. knowing that a cuddle or a kind word or something's enough to kind of help yes. recalibrate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what did you notice then? You began mm-hmm. to notice the early warning signs. Mm-hmm. You started getting in. You started offering comfort, which is mm-hmm. perfect. And what did you notice over time with Adam? So he... He just, he started to, I guess, well, the the meltdowns were less Mm -hmm. frequent Mm -hmm. and he started to feel safe and secure and... Exactly. Yeah, and he was able to then go and learn and play Mm -hmm. and and he started to engage with other children as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's quite a different little boy now, isn't he? Yeah, yes. <laughs> so tell me about the changes that you've seen in his attention. Yes, so his attention, he's now able to focus on a task mm-hmm. for quite a long period of time. And mm. it's a massive difference from when I first met him, mm. going from just a few seconds to right up to 10 minutes now. He will, he'll sit there and he'll... And be focused on a task. So mm. it is a massive difference. Um, it must be so satisfying for you. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. And I think one thing that has helped as well is something that you've ta- mentioned mm-hmm. to us is the noticing. Mm-hmm. So talking through with Adam what he is doing. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that's really, really helped his attention. Mm, brilliant. So explain that a little bit more. Yes. What is it that you're doing specifically? Maybe give some examples. Yeah. So if he's sitting there building a tower, I'll, I will talk him through the actions that he's doing. Yeah. Oh, I, I see you're, you're putting the red block on top of the blue mm-hmm. block, Adam. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and he's sort of, he's able to concentrate more and... Yeah. It supports him to sustain his attention, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And I know I, I noticed you doing that when I was with you recently that he, um, I think he pulled a basket off, I think he pulled a basket off a, yes. a bench or something. Yeah. He emptied the basket and climbed in the basket, something like yes, that. Yes, yeah. And you described it, you did such a beautiful job. You said, oh, you've got the basket, Adam, and now you're climbing in the basket. Or yes, something yeah. Like that, right? Yeah. It was just beautiful. I mean, it's such a simple technique, right? Yes, it's yeah. so simple describing what children are doing as they're doing yeah. it in a way which is non judgmental, yeah. non evaluative, just simply describing, communicates to yes. children. I'm with you, I see you, I'm here in the present moment with you. Yeah. Is that how it feels for you? Definitely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you can see it just on his face. Mm. Like, I remember that moment when he was actually in the basket and then he just looked at me like, oh, yeah. He did. (laughs) Yeah. He looked at you and he said basket, actually, I remember. Yeah, yes, that's right. (laughs) Um, and And he did because 
you see that that very simple technique of describing what children are doing yeah. as they're doing it communicates that you're present and then the child feels seen yes and also we also talked about the language that it exposes children to yes and he yeah. said basket whereas you know another educator might have said oh, why did you do that, Adam? Yeah. You know, which is, you know, probably yeah. what children like Adam here a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, um, and he learns nothing from that. Yes. But describing it gives him a sense of someone is here with me mm-hmm. in the moment. So it builds um, security, but you're also saying, and this is certainly why we talked about it, mm. builds his capacity. Like, And we talked about it might even just be for two seconds. Yeah. You know, like extends his capacity to pay attention to what it is that he's doing yes. and what it is that he's engaged in. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and have you noticed that, that when you're describing, you're putting the blue block on the red block or whatever mm. it is, have, have you noticed or is that your view that it does support his attention? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I've definitely noticed. Mm. Um, so when I first started doing that, he, it wasn't very long that he would concentrate, but it seemed to um, be a little bit more each time. Yeah. So, yeah. To grow gradually. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and how fantastic for him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how would you describe Adam now? And how long have you been working with him? About a year, is it? Yeah, so I've been working with him for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the past five months, he is honestly completely changed. Um, he He's happy. He's, yeah. he's learning. He's exploring. He's, yeah. He, yeah, he, he feels safe. He does. And secure and... He knows that we are there for him when he doesn't know what he's feeling. Yeah. And, yeah. So you've made yourself really available for him. And I think, you know, your reflection on him feeling safe, I think that's absolutely spot on, Chelsea. And and when when we connect attention and the lack of safety, you know, children who have experienced uh, difficulties... um, often are hyper aroused mm. or hyper vigilant or yeah. very tense often mm. and there it's hard to sustain your attention when you're not feeling safe and secure right same yeah. for us right yeah. um and so the more you build his safety and his security through your gorgeous emotional availability and offering him connections and your kindness and your presence and your persistence and your consistency yeah. he feels safer and there's a correlation when he's increasing capacity yeah. to um to concentrate and one of the things I have noticed with him and I've reflected on this with you is how he will use you to use the circle security language um, or attachment language he will use you as a safe haven to return to and a secure base from which to explore and he comes in for emotional refueling with you sometimes every other minute doesn't he yeah 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 (laughs) He comes in, sits on your lap, has a little yes. bit of refueling, and then he heads off again. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's able to use his relationship with you now yes. to head out and do the exploring. Yes. Whereas yeah. before there was no coming in per exactly. se, was there? No, no, no. And yeah, like you said, now it's just happening all the time. Mm. Like it may just be 
even like a few seconds. Like, yeah, he does. But yeah, he really, he just really feels so safe and secure with you. And if we contrast what's happening now with respect yeah. to how he's using his relationship with you mm-hmm. to how what was happening earlier, you know, yeah. we could say that he had no confidence that anybody in this room would be there yeah. for him yeah and he had all these big needs but he didn't know how to express his needs and bring yes. his needs directly to you yes right yeah so he had to go and throw himself against the wall mm. or throw himself down or pull your hair unfortunately yeah. you know um he had to do those things because he had no way of directly expressing what his needs yeah. were would you agree that that would be a way to think about what was happening for him back then yes yes absolutely and now he does. Yeah. So is there anything else, Chelsea, uh, from our work together mm-hmm. or anything else that you would reflect on that you've done to support Adam? So something that I did was create a little safe place mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. So it's just like a little quiet corner with cushions and books and he has... He uses that corner now as a place to go when he is feeling tired or mm-hmm. upset. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that, that corner has been amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really helped him. And he, yeah, it's mm. um, he will just go and sit down and read a book when he's feeling, when he starts to feel upset or mm-hmm. frustrated or tired. Um, mm-hmm. Or he'll just go, he likes to have his sleep there as well. So he'll let me know that he wants his bottle and then he'll go and have a lay down and have a sleep. And mm. yeah, it's it's been amazing because he was struggling with sleep as well in the beginning. I remember. Also. So, so yeah. I want to come back to the sleep in just a second. But in terms of the safe place, yeah. um, how did you let him know about what that was and how to use it and like how did you set that up yeah so i just when he was having his meltdowns i would i would take him to that area Mm -hmm. and i would would just sit there and he would he maybe just throw himself on the pillows and at least that was you know a safer place for him to do that Mm -hmm. so um and and we'd just sit there and or we'd read books together as well and it just kind of took off from there Mm. yeah that's fantastic so i guess um a couple of things about that so uh safe place is a really fantastic thing to set up in a room yeah for children well who are struggling yeah um and what I love about how you're sharing that is it's not a place that you sent him to. It's yeah, a place you yes. went to with him. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you you describe it so simply. It's like, oh, I'll just sit there. But actually, you know, that requires quite a sophisticated level of emotional intelligence, I think, Chelsea, yeah, yeah. for you because you recognised that he needed you. And just sitting there, you make it sound like, you know, I'm just sitting there. (laughs) But actually, you were making yourself available to him in a way that he really, really needed it. Um, And I'm sure that was more than once, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Many times. Lots and lots of times. And that's what we call co-regulation. So you you really provided that Mm -hmm. regulation with him. 
and he began to associate that place with feeling safe yeah. with you and you set it up nicely with cushions and so forth but he began to um feel really safe there yeah and yeah. then be- began to be able to make use of it to self-regulate but it only came after a lot of co-regulation right yes yes mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and did you want to tell me a little bit about what was happening with the sleep Yes, so um, in the beginning, he he just he wouldn't lay down. Well, he wouldn't go and lay down on a bed. Although he was very, he was so tired, yeah. you could see it mm-hmm. in his eyes. Like he yeah, he really needed to sleep, yeah. and he that would also start triggering the meltdowns as well. Yeah. So it was ha- happening a lot around the sleep time. So yeah. It was also affecting other children's sleep. Yeah. So a lot of the time I ended up just going out of the room just with him. So yeah. either out, we just went outside or we'd sometimes go down into the nursery because it was quiet down there. And yeah, he liked we just, it down there. Yeah, yeah, he really liked it down in the nursery. So we'd just play with some of the toys down there and that would help. And then eventually maybe an hour or two after we'd come back and... He'd be ready to lay down. Some days he didn't want to sleep, yeah. but you could see that was really starting to affect him as well. So. so how did you help him move through that? So it was really once we had that safe place, that safe place for him yeah. to to go. That's really what helped him, and he started to bring his own blanket from home as well. So mm-hmm. I guess all that. That helped so, you feel yeah, settled and yes. secure. Yeah. And probably over time with all of the other things you were doing, with yeah. just making yourself so available yeah. for him and him really getting that sense of security with you. Yeah. Um, would have facilitated as well. Yeah. So how, may I ask, how has your work with Adam changed you as an educator? What have you taken from your experience yeah. with him? I have learnt so much mm-hmm. just from being with Adam, he, I'm, I'm able to have much more deeper understanding of children's behaviour and mm-hmm. their needs and mm-hmm. the importance of relationships and um, emotional availability. Mm. availability. Yeah. And you're so beautifully emotionally available, Chelsea. You really are. So you so tell me a little bit more about that. Then you're saying you have a deeper understanding of children's behaviour and their needs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So having a good understanding of the circle of security mm-hmm. that that's really helped me. Mm-hmm. And now I I can see it every day with Adam. So yeah. that, so that's what we're talking about. The circle of security. We're talking about yes. him coming in to use you as a safe haven to yes. return to yeah. and a secure base to explore. Yeah. And you see him being able to what we call being on the circle, use you yes. as as a safe as base, a, safe as base. A, a, a secure haven and safe base. Yes. Um, so may I ask how that model has assisted you in supporting Adam? Yeah. So I'm able to like understand understand where he is on the circle mm-hmm. so um when he i can see when he's coming up to me he runs up to me with his hands up in the air yeah and he's he's actually saying cuddle now yeah he goes cuddle so i know okay that, that that's 
Adam coming back in. He yeah. needs to be refueled. <laughs> so, yeah. So his behaviour looks a lot more meaningful to you. Yes. Now that yeah. you have the circle of security as a map. Yes. You know, yeah. he's coming in. Oh, that's him on the bottom of the circle coming in to get yeah. refueled. Yes. I know what this means. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And yeah. so I know what he's queuing. I yes. know what his need is. Yeah. So I can meet that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Whereas before, um, before I knew about the circle of security, I, I didn't really understand i just thought oh, okay it's maybe a once a cuddle or, but mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but the meaning of the behavior is kind of yes bigger for you now yes and um i guess i guess one of my final questions is what advice would you give any educators who are listening to this who have mm-hmm. a child similar to adam in their room what what okay. advice would you give them um to be persistent and yeah just really just just be with the with the child yeah when they need it and mm-hmm. um just try and understand what they're feeling and, yeah that's really beautiful. Yeah. So to be persistent, yeah. to be with a child, yeah. to seek to understand what they're yeah. feeling yeah. and to, to stick with it. Because, yes. you know, I think I think Adam's story that you've been so generous enough to share with us today and your story with him tells us that change is possible, right? Yes. In yes. a relatively <laughs> short period of time. Yes, yes, you know? absolutely. <laughs> there will be long days and hard times yes yes (laughs) but that change is possible with Mm -hmm. persistence yes and i think you know if we would imagine what adam might say if he was here i think he might say you know chelsea is there for me and chelsea (laughs) understands me and when i didn't even understand myself chelsea took time to try and understand me and she took time to connect with me and she cared about me and I know I'm valuable and I know I'm worthwhile and I know I'm important because of the time Chelsea's taken with me. Yeah. So so thank you. Thank you, Chelsea, for the wonderful work you and your team have done with him and um, how fantastic to see the, you know, the enormous growth that he's gone through and to see him enjoying life now yeah. and to see him feeling so safe and secure with you. Yeah. So... Um, on his behalf, I do thank you. Thank you, Beth, and thank you for all your help. It's been amazing. <laughs> Hi, Nazish. Hi, Beth. Um, we might start by uh, you introducing yourself. Uh, my name is Nazish. I'm working in an early childhood teacher in Uganda, and um, I'm enjoying my work, whatever I'm doing with the children. Fantastic. Thank you. I thought we might start by me asking you about the circle of security. It's a tool that I've shared with you uh, and I know it's had a big impact on your work. Definitely, but I would like to share that um, from the start when we just met with each other and um, uh, I think you just came and um, we talked about the um, uh, children's behaviour in the room and everything and um, I think uh, when we talked about the circle of security as well, so I just told you that um, I just know a superficial information about that one, that um, a circle of security um, help us to identify the child behavior and uh, there must be a trigger and the reason behind the child behavior. Uh, but um, I don't know more than that uh, before mm-hmm. I met you yeah. and I just got training from you. 
So the journey just started from here and I think um, then we have um, a training on the weekend and um, I have some few ob ob observations of the children about the children's behavior as well. So I thought this is the best time for me to learn about the children's emotion when I have a mentor available for me to guide me each and every step. Mm -hmm. And um, parents have some uh, you know, concerns about the children's behavior at home as well. So I just took it on board and um, then we just started from here and then the circle of security helped me. I th think it's changed my approach towards the early childhood teacher mm. who wow. I with the That's children. That's pretty big. Yes, uh -huh. it changed. I haven't seen early childhood in that scenario before after your training with the mm -hmm. things I have learned. Mm -hmm. So uh, it helped me to identify the um, uh, feelings and emotion of the children. Mm -hmm. And before that, I believe that uh, if the children, look, you look after them, you, change, you give them a rest, you attention them, you give them a cuddles, they will be automatic, automatically connecti connecting with you. Yeah. But um, I know that when we met, there's a child, we had talked about that one, Harry, where she said that he belongs to a good family, he doesn't have any health issues, but yeah. still here there's some changes in his behavior. Some yeah. So um, we have implemented the circle of security and... Uh, that was fabulous. It's just changed overall the child's behavior as well. As an early childhood educator, it helped me to identify throughout the day different moments and the episodes where yeah. I can read the child's uh, feelings and emotions and give me the strategies mm. when, I, when I have to go into the circle, when I have to go out from the circle, mm. when I have to help him, when I have to support him, and when I have to celebrate his success with me. Yeah. So that's change my approach totally as an early childhood teacher. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> I feel very excited yeah. well because when I see those children, to be honest, um, changing their behavior. Yeah. So it uh, for the child, it's very good as well. They get independent. They need, they understand that somebody is here to help me. Somebody is here to read me. And as a teacher, it gives me a different sort of feeling that I am contributing something in his life that's really good for him for his emotional and uh, social development. And Circle of Security gave me an impression that um, child's every learning is based on his social and emotional learning. If you build it strong, it's definitely you can build all the learnings on the top of that. Yeah, exactly right. Um, where do I even begin with that, <laughs> let, let me start with the Circle of Security for people who aren't familiar with it. Yeah? Yes. So the Circle of Security is a tool that was developed by a team of uh, therapists in the United States close to 20 years ago now. Oh, and it... Um, it is a map to help us understand children's needs, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. So anyone who's listening is not familiar with it can certainly just Google it and it'll, it'll come up. So it's a map to help us read un, uh, and understand children's needs. And one of the things that I'm hearing you took from that is that children's primary need is to be in a relationship with an adult who's bigger, stronger, wiser and kind. Definitely. And one of the things that I'm also hearing you took from it is that children need someone to return to when they're feeling stressed or upset or overwhelmed. Definitely. And that your job, in addition to your programming and teaching and so forth, your job is to welcome them, help them make sense of their feelings and uh, offer comfort if they're distressed. Yes. But one of the things about the circle is that it teaches us that all behavior is meaningful. And I think that's possibly at the essence of what you're saying. Definitely, definitely. Yes, yeah. all behaviors are meaningful. And I think um, 
um, as an early childhood teacher, whatever I noticed that uh, after implementing the circle of security, uh, it gave me a, an opportunity to identify the children's feelings. Yes. And uh, whether they are with the positive behavior or with the negative, there must be uh, reasons for that behavior. Yeah. There must be some triggers that must something going inside the child' feelings and emotions. Yes. So that definitely helped me to identify those moments yeah. and to just develop the strategies to build the connection with the child yeah. that he come back to me whenever he's, he can he can have a trust on me he can come back to me and he thinks that she is here whenever I need her yeah oh perfect that's exactly what security is Nazish. Thank yeah you. that sense that um, I can return to this person that I will be welcomed yeah. and that she will attempt to seek to understand me yes. and that she'll be there if I need her Definitely. that's security right Definitely. and the other thing that build security which is what you're really describing in detail is an adult who is thinking as the child's behaving what is this child telling me what is this behavior telling me telling so it sounds to me like what you're doing now is you're not trying to manage behavior you're trying to understand behavior definitely is that definitely. the difference that's what yeah. i'm doing understand mm -hmm. the behavior because i think that circle of security gives me an idea that understanding is comes first and then you can manage the behaviors. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. So this uh, idea gave me a circle of security that's helped me to identify the triggers or the reasons for yes. this behavior yeah. for the child. Yeah. And then after developing developing strategies to deal with that. Behavior. So perhaps um, perhaps you could give an example. Yes, definitely. Um, there's one child in my care, Harry, and um, I know then when we started there that um, he was just playing with the children and you know that in ten, in five minutes he broke two glasses, he picked up the one glass, threw it away, just after some time he picked another glass and threw it away. Yes. Even his parents were around him. Yes. I noticed that parents were around him, you were here and I was there as well. So I remember that you asked me a question that, uh, Nazish, uh, why he is doing so? So I told you, but I can't understand. Uh, he belongs to a very good family. Yes. Mom and dad are very loving and very caring. He's the very healthy lunch boxes. And the mom and dad are very sportive for us. Grandma and grandpa, he works along such a good family. So means they are the most of the reasons where the child has some health issue. He comes from emergency background or something like. I said, but I, for this case, I can't identify that one. Maybe he's like that. Then you told me, no, Nazish, he is not like um, there. He is, uh, you his parents and as adult, he you are unable to feel build a connection with him, to understand his emotional needs, to understand his psychological needs, and that's why when he think nobody is getting this one, he just throws it away, and he just uh, try to. Um, show you that you are not understanding me and what I am looking for. Mm. So that was the our journey started with this circle mm -hmm. of security training. And after that, um, uh, when every morning when he comes, he cries. Mm -hmm. He has been around uh, eight or nine months. He's crying. Mom and he just cries for half an hour. He doesn't share anything with anyone. He just snatch it. Even if somebody is drinking water, he just tried to get that water from the mouth as well that mm -hmm. I need to drink that water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, that means um, he doesn't sit in a group time, he has a very short attention span, uh, means, um, and he doesn't talk too much. Mm -hmm. I he remember, and Harry's about four, is that right? Yes, Just he is yeah. four. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that this is the reason you suggested me 
that to build an emotional and uh, a psychological connection with that that's bird. right that what he's lacking for and that's what you need to do as an educator that's exactly right and then after that um, after your training i just got so many strategies Mm-hmm. so many strategies i made some safe places for him i made some place spaces for him uh, when he comes in the morning i just greets him more more attentively yeah so and then when he was playing around he doesn't talk to too much i try to go inside his feeling and okay you want to play this block you want me to give you this spike and then he responds me and whatever he likes he just nods his head like that mm. he nods his head cuz he wasn't talking much at he all he doesn't talk talking yeah. too much and um, after doing all this thing but um, i have seen a big difference that first of all not only me his parents mm. and all the educator in the centers yeah mhm why isan is changing a lot he uh, why harry is changing a lot he has changed a lot every morning he comes he just uh, come and he hold my leg and say me hi mhm i have been noticing from last 3 weeks mm. he comes and says me hi when he felt emotionally and socially competent and strong i see a big improvement in his language yeah messy he started communicating with me he just used his words two sent two words sentence he mostly uses with me nowadays and he comes with a big smile he is getting socially competent he is playing with other children he is playing with other children now. and he is sharing his idea just one example i shared with you that one day he forgot to bring his lunch box and i said okay harry would you like to make a sandwich for you he j- he told me no call mummy call nanny yeah. no lunch box yeah no la- so this was such a big achievement mm-hmm. i have seen in mm-hmm. his personality yeah. that day yeah i was touched the way he talked to me and suddenly he spoke to me yeah no so i went with him i said let's go together and then call his mummy and then said what that, that would so Uh, he started sharing his ideas in a group tie with me he raised mm-hmm. his hand up he talks to me and with sharing and turn taking if i talk to him once all right it is done now you will gonna get your turn after 5 minutes he responds me straight away mm. he responds me straight away so this really everything which i am looking for and the parents even felt and they gave me a very good feedback mm. that he's settling down so well in the room mm. he doesn't cry anymore and he comes home he talks about you and the center and everything so that's totally that's changed fantastic nazish fantastic so let's unpack this a little bit yes, so yes. essentially he was a child who i know occasionally he would do things which um some people might call misbehavior Definitely. like throwing yes. the glass on the ground yes. or pushing a toy over Definitely. uh he would do things which people might call big difficult behavior Definitely. yeah that was a challenging behavior before yeah. to be honest that uh-huh. was yeah and it wasn't it wasn't the screaming or the punching or that but it was this kind of real random things that you told him not to do that he'd do or that and and we did you know i did suggest that it was about him feeling disconnected didn't definitely. i definitely yeah. that's what you suggested me and then you took on credit definitely, to you yeah. you took on okay how do i build a connection with yes. this boy yeah and you um did everything you could to build a connection with him definitely, spent slower time when he was there in the morning more eye contact definitely. more language and when he was engaging in behaviors that were not so um positive you sought to understand what was going on for him you went and offered connection yes yeah is that a good summary of what you were doing Definitely with him that was mm-hmm. exactly somebody that what i am doing and that, um, 
um, he was actually looking to build a connection with an adult and that was the missing thing in his life. Uh, so as an early childhood teacher, implementing the circle of security and taking all the ideas from you, mm-hmm. it really helped me to build a um, connection with yeah. him and to build to understand his psychological and emotional needs yes and i think it was too effective that um, before that we were trying different ways but it just worked within a week or two because you visited me after a cu- couple of weeks as I well i remember yeah you remember that yeah. day and that's the day um, he just getting the socially competent comes happily shares his idea and after i think two and three weeks he's just started using his language very frequently yeah, yeah. to us and i definitely pretty confident that if things going like that we have supported him we have built a connection with him we continue he was definitely build his uh, lifelong learning on all the areas oh yeah without a doubt and yeah. we probably should mention that he is from a non-english speaking background so uh, that would be a factor with the limited use of language definitely. but only one factor because you're seeing now that he is feeling really connected with you yes. he's more wanting to communicate and he's trusting that yes. you will receive what he has to share and yes. so he's and it sounds to me like he's kind of allowing himself to emerge a bit more kind Definitely. of like he was a, quite hidden before his little personality and Definitely, everything was yes. quite hidden yeah. um and you have taken the time to build the emotional connection and to seek to understand him and what you're seeing is those behaviors that we might have called difficult behaviors you've seen a big reduction definitely there was a big reduction i we can't hardly find any incident which will call it a challenging behavior throughout the day he comes happily he plays happily he's feeling social so emotionally relaxed socially competent sit down in a group time intention spent has increased he follows the instructions he gives his feedbacks and i never noticed that uh, last um, Mm, few weeks we haven't seen any thing from him which we call it's a challenging behavior isn't that incredible thank you don't you think <laughs> it's a very incredible like I if someone had told you that six months ago what would you have said no way. no way no, no way, way right that's why i was telling you that uh, my approach to the child care has totally early childhood mm-hmm. is totally changed mm-hmm. i never thinks like that which your training helped me to mm-hmm. think in that perspective perspective mm-hmm. And it's so satisfying for me to hear that, Nazish, because, you know, I talk a lot in my training, as you know, about all behaviours a form of communication. I talk about how when children feel secure, children are more cooperative. I talk about uh, when children feel secure, their social skills with other children Mm -hmm. expands, Mm -hmm. their language improves. I talk about the power of connection, the importance of it. But what I love is that you're able to share this fantastic example with Harry and I know other children of where you're seeing it. It's kind of like, it's not just some idea that we discussed in training. Mm -hmm. This is your lived experience it's not something that you can you know it's like it's something that you will know forever now is that children's behavior can be transformed through relationship definitely i do the environment and the relationships and the connected relationships exactly definitely i think will change everything in the child's Mm -hmm. life in a positive his Mm -hmm. learning exactly everything yeah you've seen the learning now that harry can engage in because he's feeling connected with you yes because he's feeling secure he doesn't have to go around now 
pushing over things to try and get attention or breaking things because he's not feeling included in a group. As you know, one thing I would like to share that um, we are just playing outside. He was in the other corner. I was in the other corner. I was means in the circle. I was on the other side. Um, if he, he wants something from that, instead of snatching it or crying, he just came, he hold my hand and asked me to go along with him. Mm. I went along with him and on the other side of the he wants, I want this. Mm. So this is the connection that he just found me exactly. on the other side of the yard and yeah. he took me over the other side of the yard and then we spoke to that to, about this thing and then we shared among and he was so happy that he found me even I was away from the circle as well. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's really wonderful. And thing. it's a credit to you, Nazish, because what he's learned through your relationship with him yes. is that it's safe to ask for help. Yes. I can express a need and Nazish will take my needs seriously Definitely. so the kids who engage in the snatch snatching or the pushing or this mm. that the other in some instances don't feel safe or secure enough to ask for the help Helps. that they need Definitely. but now that you've created for him that security yes. he knows he can ask for what he wants he knows that you won't reject him for Definitely. asking what he wants and yeah. he feels safe enough to do that that's amazing. And so then we can see the translation to his social skills. I saw him having a fantastic game with some kids the other day. You can see that the smile on his face. Oh, the joy. Day. Before that, he was feeling isolated. He was just randomly wanders around where I am. Yeah, he Where did. I am. I found him totally lost. Yeah. And I can't identify the trigger or the reasons yeah. for that behavior. Mm -hmm. I said, my everything is positive. He is everything, loving family, no health issues, stable family background. Mm -hmm. Everything is mm -hmm. so good. Parents are nice, very supportive. What's the problem with this mm -hmm. child? And I am very thankful to you that you gave me uh, the opportunity to identify that there must be something beyond this yes which as an early childhood teacher i need to look towards them yeah and um, that's only change that's i'm telling you again and again mm. that's changed my approach yeah. best. now i can easily identify throughout the day yeah i can easily there might be small moments what the child i have given you another example i would like to share oh, that please. one as well yeah <laughs> there were the two preschoolers um uh, adam and um Basit, they were praying together. Uh, so what happened that we did a, a necklace making activity in the morning. So um, after that I went off the floor and then I came back um, after a couple of hours. So I have noticed that um, uh, a toddler from, from the toddler room, a girl from the she has a necklace on and the preschooler just quickly comes after five minutes and look at her necklace very closely. He did once and the toddler started crying, oh, this is my necklace, this is my necklace. And all the educator have noticed this and, and they come, okay, Adam, you need to move away. You need to, why are you touching her necklace? Mm -hmm. Adam, you need to move away. Why are you touching her necklace? So at that time, this is triggered in my mind. This is time to implement the circle of security. Mm -hmm. Why he's coming again and again? Why he's touching the necklace mm -hmm. after every five minutes? Mm -hmm. What is his need? What right? is his need? What he's feeling? What he's going through? Mm -hmm. So that happened that um, instead of, I took him on his side and I asked, asked him, Do, would you like to the same necklace like that? Did you really like the necklace which she has? He said to me, no, no. I said, then why are you looking for touching her necklace again and again? I was just making it sure that it is the same necklace I made it for, for my mummy this morning. Mm. 
so that yeah. was his feeling yeah. which we didn't understand yeah. and we are responding him please don't touch her necklace move away yeah. please don't touch her necklace move away mm-hmm. and he just moved to the other side very quietly and then after 10 minutes he comes back again and checks that necklace again yeah yeah so at that time i told my staff all the underground guys this is the circle of security mm-hmm. now you have to investigate where her ne- his necklace is yeah i'm sure that he made some necklace so we have checked everyone's locker but his necklace was missing mhm and it was on her neck on her neck it was on her neck <laughs> <laughs> so so that time i told all my staff i said look at guys this is the time we have to implement circle of security yeah. before responding anything to a child yeah think twice exactly and i i love how you phrase it nadish <laughs> it's like And I think, you know, like there's a lot to the circle, right? And for people not familiar with it, they might be wondering a little bit what we're talking about, yes. but it, you know, I think that's the essence of it. You know, think twice. What is this behavior? What is the child's need? What is the behavior communicating? Mm-hmm. We've got to get curious, right? Yes. We've got to get curious about what's the child's intention, what's the child's need. Yes. And I do talk in the training about we you know we talk about the iceberg right yes, and the behaviors on the top yes. and there's always a need underneath, underneath right it, yes. and that's where we've got to be looking yes. and what i what i'm hearing in part tell me if i've got this correct is that prior you know 6 months ago before we began working together you tried to manage behavior Yes. Don't do that. Do do this. This is the right yes, thing. This is definitely. the wrong thing. Do you know to you talk about behavior? But we fail to identify the behavior. <laughs> But the need underneath yes. is what you're really curious about now. Yes. And you have much more success, right? Yes. You have much more success in the moment. Yes. But also that little boy Adam that you were talking about, he um felt understood by you because you took the time to tr- understand what was his intention he felt understood and that built security and if you hadn't taken the time to really understand and if you'd been another one of the educators going stop touching her necklace what are you doing don't be normal yes. you know he could have got quite cranky and annoyed and then gone off and i don't know I don't know. Done something, something in the afternoon it, yes. to let you know that he definitely. wasn't very happy. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. I think now um we are all as a team mm-hmm. we are all looking for identify those moments when identify the child needs, yep. child feelings, making him mentally and socially available, yep. building a connection with the child. and uh, supporting him through the circle you know the safe haven yeah come to us we will understand your needs we Perfect. will understand your feelings yep. we will respond to and we will try to make sure that we will definitely do something which can make you emotionally and psychologically comfortable in the environment yeah and um I guess one last thing I want to ask yes, you about yes. Nazish is I know you've done some brilliant programming around feeling yes. with your preschoolers. Yes. Did you want to uh perhaps say a little bit about that and the impact it's had for your preschoolers? Uh, definitely but I think um when I came to know that I'm working with you and there will be a lot of uh, good ideas especially after first training. Mm-hmm. I said that we're going to work for a certain period of time. So um, I do took it to you know very strongly as a team so i said this is the best time to learn the child psychological and emotional developments 
So at that time, I run a project, uh, learning project in the feelings and emotions, where I'm getting input from every side. Parents are giving their own inputs, children are giving their inputs. I'm using my own um, knowledge and experience to deal. And I think uh, whatever I learned from your training means so many small, small things, breathing techniques. Mm-hmm. This is so impressive that uh, uh, the children uh, who don't sit down in a group time, who don't have a very short attention span, so before starting a group time, I do have a breathing technique with them. Mm-hmm. All right, go guy, preschoolers, let's do some exercise. So we start some exercise and they were so excited. I can see the smiles on their face and everything. And uh, after that, when I started group time, they were so focused. Because you'd done some breathing with them yes. to help them ground. Yeah. They were so focused. They were so, they're desperate to share their thoughts with me. Mm. Before that, I just asked them, okay, where are you? They raised their hands so desperately that, listen, we want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. We want to talk to you. Mm. So every hands up in a group time. Mm-hmm. So that very little thing about introducing some breathing before group time yes. helped really build concentration and attention. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. This mm-hmm. is one of the small, small thing. And I think uh, feeling and um, um, I just embedded all the um, knowledge I got from your training in my feelings and emotion projects. Yeah. And what I did that um, I taught them different techniques uh, when, when they are angry, when they are sad, when they are happy how to deal the strategies which you have mentioned in the mm-hmm. training, empathy, sympathy, and um, going into the circle, going out of. Th- so I just, uh, we just discussed with them in a group time, we did some activities, means anything I just learned from your training, mm-hmm. I tried my best to fit them in the part of that project. Yeah. And you can't believe that the assessments we just um, handed over to the parents. The parents were so happy with the socially and emotional connection of the children in the service. Mm-hmm. They were so happy. Mm-hmm. They have given them that our child is very happy. He comes home, he talks about you, and he shares his idea. He brings his learning from there. So these are the things made a huge difference. The children are delighted and the parents are delighted. Yes, definitely. And I know with your feelings project, you were, I think, every morning reading books about f- different feelings yes, and yes. looking at different feelings. And you were having discussions with children about yes. when they feel what and what they can do. When definitely, yes. When they feel angry, so what they can do, what they can't do. Mm-hmm. So they're giving them the various options. And then I found them in the conversations uh, okay, uh, they just come and share with me. Um, you know, I'm feeling sad because he didn't share with me. Mm-hmm. They use their work. They use the mm-hmm. most talking and listening and communicating mm-hmm. techniques with me. So that things really help. That's them. amazing. So you've really helped them bring language in uh, through your programming. You've helped bring language to their feelings. Yes. And now they know how to use those that language appropriately and they're sharing their needs with you mm-hmm. have you ever noticed them sharing with each other what definitely they yeah. share a lot with each other whenever we discuss in a group time i found them discussing with each other in the outdoor play yeah their feelings with they each are other. feelings yeah uh-huh. <laughs> their outdoor play and you can't believe that parents were asking me what did my ch- child said about this particular <laughs> feeling did they say something <laughs> negative about us <laughs> Because because yeah. the children were discussing their feelings with the parents as well. Yes, they are going home uh-huh. and they were t- telling me, can't you especially tell me what did my doctor said, what did my son said, why did, what things make them angry? Because they are feeling so comfortable. They come home and they 
tell us that we shared this thing in the class we shared this thing in a group mm-hmm. time so they come and they ask me that uh, what did what what you are running this project tell me what he will talk about this so this is the connection oh yeah fantastic this is the connection which your training gave me the opportunity Uh, to build with my children to mm. build with my families mm. and the atmosphere of the whole classroom is changed mm. dramatically incident reports drop down wow yeah this is the one of the thing incident drop before they are right down the drop down because children feel secure comfortable supervised yeah and connected 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 yeah. right <laughs> yeah. so children are feeling connected so they don't need to engage in difficult behaviors to get your attention yeah. and they're also I'm guessing feeling more self-regulated so that they don't have to push or punch or hit or whatever because yes. they're more regulated definitely is that self regulations yes we mm-hmm. have started with the core regulations with the with the children yes. i think as we all educators supported them to regulate their behaviors and now i thought that uh, some of them t- are reaching at the dip, at that point where they are self regulating their mm-hmm. behavior i mm-hmm. have noticed that um, means they sort out um, their issues among themselves they mm. don't come back to us okay sharing sharing is caring this is a good idea we need to share okay you can have it for 5 minutes i will take it back after some time so the children you're finding the children are more socially competent with each other definitely definitely and they have more capacity to share tolerate Definitely, definitely i'm talking to you about harry before that he snatches everything yes so now he learns the skill of turn taking yeah and sharing mm-hmm. so if he's have, he wants something in the, in the other children hands so what he does that uh, he waits mm-hmm. he waits for his turn and then other children understand that he might so after 5 or 10 minutes i i literally notice that they share with each other because i'm just looking out of the circle i'm yeah. just looking and observing them what yeah. they are doing So this is a very That's good incredible Nazish. What do you think? What do you think has helped them? You know, so part of it is your work around feelings yes. has helped them regulate and communicate about their feelings to each other. Part of it is making sure that uh you and your team are present and available so they know you're there if they uh if they want to find you. Part of it's been about really seeking to understand them. Is there anything else you would say that you think is how you and the team have helped them develop these these newfound social skills how have they emerged i think um as an as an educator when i think that um, the child is showing and developing some interest mm-hmm. in particular skill and he is feeling himself socially and psychologically comfortable mm-hmm. so what would we do that uh, we just uh, engage in one to one conversation with him mm-hmm. so some of the children are uh, just learning their new words so we just engage in conversation with them we just give them different options and choices mm-hmm. so definitely then they choose one and that builds their self esteem and confidence and yeah. their there's somebody is around them yeah. so on once we they have choose then we start just planning yeah. further according to that what they are looking for so basically you've you've made yourself more available and present Definitely. and and you're watching if they're struggling a little bit you step in yeah. you yes. assist you offer solution strategies Definitely. choices when they have achieved something scaffold. we celebrate with yeah. them when they need a support we give them an extra hand mm-hmm. when they are upset or unsettled we make them sure that we are available to them we can talk to them we can identify the reason of their mm. attitudes and behaviors 
Oh, Nazish, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Beth. <laughs> uh, no, it really is a pleasure. I mean, your your passion and your enthusiasm is, you know, it's just outstanding. And, um, you know, to see the, the, the change for the children as a result of your passion and your leading your team. Thank you so much, um, Beth. It's really inspirational. You know, when um, during all the day, I would like to say a big thank you to you when I see doing myself a small things which I haven't done it before and never know it, know it before mm-hmm. that how I can do it. So now then I talked to my staff. I said, I'm very thankful to Beth for come here and I am thankful to those people who gave this idea to bring her in our services. <laughs> And then you told me who they are. So it's so nice to have you. And I think you are giving us a lifelong learning as an early childhood teacher for me, for my team, and for everyone. Well, you're very generous, Azish. Thank you. And and it's a credit to you for taking what I have shared with you and implementing it with such uh, rigor and uh, enthusiasm. And the children are certainly very lucky. To Thank have you. you so much. Thank you, Beth. Thank so thanks you. a lot. So that's it for our episode 36. I really hope you enjoy it on behalf of Leanne Lisa and the show. I'd like to thank uh, not just Beth for, you know, once again giving up some of her time to, to have discussed these issues and have them recorded and put out on the podcast. She's been really valuable um, both for me working in the north side but also just, you know, generous with her time for the podcast. So thank you, Beth. But, um, you know, particularly the most thanks go to um, Jacinta, Chelsea, and Nazish for, for sharing their stories as educators and talking about the children and the work they've done. It's really, uh, you know, amazing of them to, to, to take time off and sort of come in and do extra time after doing all that work and then talking about it for about half an hour each. I'm, I'm, I'm really, um, really grateful to them. So as we said, if this is you know, something you've enjoyed and listened to, hey, thanks for sticking with it. But, um, you know, please share it out. We'd, we'd love to hear from people what they thought about these sort of stories of practice. I'd love to do a lot more of them. Uh, but we'll do the usual wrap-up, and we're hopeful that next week we'll be back to our sort of normal format with Lisa, Leanne, and I droning on and on about policy, politics, and young children. But we hope you've enjoyed the last few weeks of sort of slightly different episodes. Uh, you can get in touch with the show in a variety of ways. The Probably the easiest way is to head to our website, earlyeducationshow.com, and there's a little Contact Us tab there. Uh, while you're there, if you're enjoying the podcast and want to sort of support us and help us to do more fun and exciting things, we'd really appreciate it if you hit the Support the Show tab. That'll take you to our Patreon page where you can support the show financially for as little as $1 a month, and that really means we can do some more fun stuff down the track, get some better equipment, do some better sort of external live recording interviews. So. Uh, really very much appreciated you can find the show on facebook and twitter as well the handle on both of those is at early edu show um, and a rating and a review on the apple podcast store is also really valuable because it means more practitioners and professionals can find the show when they're looking for early childhood content so until next week you can find all of us individually as well on twitter at uh, well i'm at liam mcnicholas lisa is at lisa j bryant and leanne is at leanne m gibbs three uh, we're looking forward to be back with you with a more normal episode next week until then have a great week